episode three of my podcast, Rise and Resilience. Today's guest is Michelle Keegan from Douglas Elliman. She is ranked number two on Long Island in transactions and number 12 by GCI. She's also in the top 5% of the company. Not only is she a rock star agent, but she is a mother of four and someone who I've known for a really long time. Tell everyone how you got started in real estate. <laughs> so, I, like I said, I have four kids. Like, and anybody who knows me knows, like, I have been with my husband since we're 17. All I ever wanted from the time I was a little girl was to get married and be a mom. I, I, you've read it before, but you know, growing up in the eighties and the nineties, you know, that's when it really started to become like women. Like, what are you going to be? You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be a teacher. And here I was like, people would say to me, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and I would, well, I would try to make things up because I felt like saying I want to be a mom and I want to be a wife was unacceptable. So my husband and I have been together since high school and thankfully he, when I said, I, I want to raise my kids, like I want to be home. There's, there's only a certain amount of time that you have them. And he totally agreed. So we actually got married very young. Um, we graduated high school. He went into the Marine Corps. Shocking, that's what my son is doing. <laughs> um, he went into the Marine Corps. A year later, we got engaged. And a year later, we got married. So we were literally 20 years old. My husband was 20 for two days when we got um, married. So we lived in Virginia. We lived in North Carolina. You know, I did, I had, I had my license for massage therapy. Um, but being a massage therapist on a Marine Corps base is, you know... <laughs> I'm not really so great. So I was a waitress and I, you know, did everything that I could to make money. And coming from New York and living in Virginia and North Carolina, they thought I was like a superstar. <laughs> they were like, how, how do you, like, I could do the entire restaurant by myself. And they would look at me in like, awe. Oh. I'm like, we move. Like you, you guys, you guys don't really move too quickly. <laughs> and then we came home to New York and life is like really, you know, it's very different. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had Brian, mm -hmm. my first. Mm -hmm. And I stayed home and I still always did like a little, you know, some homework or I waitressed or, you know, whatever it was to not really take time from my kids, but to kind of help because, you know, when you're 23 years old and you have a baby and our parents were young, you know, they were still in their careers and working. So there was nobody to say, like, I'll watch your kid while you go to work. And the truth is, is I didn't want that anyway. I was willing, we were willing to make the sacrifices for me to stay home. And we did sacrifice. Um, and then, you know, three years later, I had Matthew. A year, not even, 15 months later, I had Delaney. And then three years later, Thomas came. So I was mom, and that's all I knew. That's all I care. It was, it was fine. I never like felt like something was missing. Although I did have guilt. My husband, you know, he's, he's a Suffolk County detective and you know, he still, at the time he wasn't a detective. He was a new cop. When we, when we first had Brian, he was actually NYPD. 
And then, you know, thankfully he got onto Suffolk and, but he still had to work a second job to make ends meet. We live on Long Island. We had a mortgage. We had two car payments. We had to feed our children. We got together at 17 years old. We were not 30 Hmm. who had careers and had money in the bank. I really think that combined, we probably have $500, you know, going for us. We were in high school. So um, there were times where it was, you know, stay-at-home moms definitely don't get the recognition that they deserve. No, they don't. When you stay home with your children, people don't think you're not working, so you don't need a break. When really it's 24-7 of, I need a snack, I need to go to the bathroom, I peed my pants, I got, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, it's nonstop. So, and I, I would go back to it in a second. Hmm. But still, there were times where if my husband was on nights, he would work a side job from 7 o'clock in the morning. Let's say his shift was um, uh, 3 to 11 or 4 to 12. He would leave at 7 o'clock in the morning. He would work until let's say three o'clock where he had to be at work at four and he would work until 12 and if they made an arrest or whatever he's coming home at two three in the morning to start it all over again so it was really hard on him and hard on me because again i had guilt like should i be going to work should i have somebody watch my kids like what you know it would be easier if if maybe i made some extra money and he didn't have to kill himself the way that so now you fast forward and my youngest is going to kindergarten. Well, who am I now? Hmm. I'm a mom. My children are now out of the house eight to nine hours a day. There's only so much cleaning and shopping that somebody can do. <laughs> so I was talking to my cousin, Nicole, who is also in the business. And I'm like, and I remember the conversation so clearly And I always give her the credit because she gave me the push. And I said, I don't, who am I? Like, and she said, Michelle, since we were in high school, you've always been interested in real estate. Get your license. Get my license. Like how, how am I going to manage to go to school at the time? I think it was like nine days straight. So if you started on a Wednesday, it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, no weekends off. You went straight through from nine to five. How am I doing that? My husband works. There's nobody who, you know, takes care of my kids. So I said, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? I try and it doesn't work out. So I started. I managed to get the kids off to school, fly to the school, do what I had to do, and come home. Of course, Michelle Keegan Luck, My son, Matthew, was in, I think, fourth grade at the time. And, you know, we're athletes. Mm -hmm. And he was in the county and state championship for wrestling. Wow. And I said, oh, my God. I have not raised these kids to, to miss something like that. And I ended up missing one day of school, which had me in complete panic mode because when it comes to school and stuff like that, my confidence, there's, I'm going to fail. I'm never going to pass the test. <laughs> but thankfully, I said, I'm going to try it. And I did it. And I hit the ground running. 
The reason why I didn't do it sooner is, I mean, yes, because Thomas, I wanted to wait for him to get to kindergarten, but I also needed to make sure that, not that he was out of the house all day, but that if I needed to go on an appointment or I needed to, I was running late, that one of my other children were old enough and they were responsible enough to be able to take care of him. That makes sense. Right. So I did that. So he's in eighth grade now. So I've had my license eight years. for eight years. Do you remember like your first deal? Or like your first year? Like Yes. So <laughs> I had gone, it, like when I think back to it, I'm like, oh my God, those clients of mine, like what I, like I know so much more now, although sometimes I feel like I, I know nothing. Um, Within six months, not even, of having my license, I had six deals and contracts. That's incredible. <laughs> incredible because I knew nothing. Right. But I was with a small mom and pop shop. And so they were, they really kind of, I got the business because I have a very wonderful sphere of influence. Mm. I have people who support me in a way that like I'll, I'll always be thankful for. People wish that they had the support system, friends, family, past clients. Um, so I, I had these six deals and I'll never forget like making that money and feeling like I was a rock star. Like, oh my God, like this extra money was like so exciting. But when I think back to those six deals, I didn't know what I was doing. Because again, I was with a small mom and pop shop, so they really kind of did everything. So when I switched over to Douglas Element, I was like, oh my God, like I don't know what I'm doing. I did 10 months there, and then I, I switched over to DE, which I can't believe was seven years ago. What made you make the move to DE? So when I was with this small company, the, there were two owners. They were lovely. They were very good to me. But I noticed that I was new in the business and I was like their number one person. Like I was bringing in, like I was doing almost as much business as people who have been in the, the office, you know, in the business for years. So I would go into the office and there was like nobody there, but it, it wasn't that because I don't need like people sitting with me. No, like, you don't. I'm, no, I don't need that. But I noticed that the one owner, she was getting involved into it in another business. And I was like, hmm. And then she started to kind of poach me for this other business. Mm. And like really I was I was um I felt good about it that she thought I was good enough at what I was doing here in a sales position to want to take me with her into this other. What was the other business? It was like um, some kind of, a, it was like a finance company. Okay. Um, I don't really know, you know, wh where she went with it. If I know her, she's probably very successful, but it was, you know, as much as I was, I felt good that she wanted to take me, I was a little disheartened by, I waited so long to do this and I was so passionate about real estate and now 
she was trying to pull me in another direction. So kind of putting a negative tone on real estate. Like, do you really want to, you know, like the other business was, it was residual income, you know, like you get a client, you start a portfolio and, and there was a residual income. And she would say, but you know, real estate, you don't get that. I disagree with that. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's not residual income where every time you pay an electric bill, like I'm getting some money from it. But there is residual income. And this past year was proof that I guess maybe not by definition it's it's residual income. But most of my business, 90-something percent of those 63 transactions that I did were referrals. That's residual income. I I don't have to, I don't want to say I don't have to because that's, I don't want to take for granted that because you call me and you're my friend that you're going to hire me. But I don't have to kill myself on Zillow and answer these calls and sell myself and then knowing that possibly they're going to call somebody else, you know, these referrals are coming from people who have worked with me or even if it is a family member, you know, I I probably have sold 15 houses for my own family. Um, So as far as I'm concerned, real estate, if you keep your nose clean and you do the right thing by not only your client, but by other agents, you're going to succeed. You're going to succeed. Treat people... I've, I've changed this. I don't treat people the way I want to be treated. When your children are older and you see they are getting to the ages where they're getting ready to go out into the world and be an officer in the service or head to Binghamton or who knows where my daughter is going to end up next year. Um, I... Before I respond, and even in text, if you see how many times I respond to a text message and I read it back and I'm like, and I'll change a word because I treat people the way I hope that you would treat my children because they mean more to me than I mean to me. Hmm. So if I don't like the way I'm responding, because if I was, if somebody was talking to one of my kids and that would really make me angry, I'm going to change my words. Mm. And I, it's, you know, I'm going to be 45 this month. I have done a lot of soul searching in the last couple of years and how to react to people and treat people. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. I am Greek and Italian and I have a terrible attitude problem. Mm. And I really, when you work with people and the public, you have to kind of tone that down. Right. So... But I don't know what everybody does. I don't care what everybody does. I've never been the person to chase the dollar or chase you. I don't care about being better than you. The only thing I care about is being better than me, Mm -hmm. than who I was. And setting an example for my children. So I tried really hard to, like when everything was going on, to really try to make time. And you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you do this every day. People get into this business and they'll say to me all the time, I'm thinking about becoming a real estate agent. And I was guilty of this. I'm thinking of becoming a real estate agent because I want to make my own schedule. 
nobody told me it couldn't be any more opposite. <laughs> you don't make your own schedule at all. Mm. You are a slave to everybody's schedule because the loyalty factor here isn't really there. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see a house on a Sunday at two o'clock or on a Friday at seven o'clock and I tell you I can't do it, but Andrea can, chances are, especially in this environment, they're going to call you and that's what's going to happen. So, you know, I tried to like squeeze everything in that I could and have Sunday where I could spend time with the kids. And you know, my son is, I get like a little crazy when I talk about this, but in six weeks, he graduates college, mm -hmm. six weeks from today, and he's going to the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. Like for four and a half years, he's going. So I really try to take the time to spend it with not just him. I mean, listen, he's 21 years old. He doesn't want his mommy, but, <laughs> you know, go on the boat or do whatever and, you know, try to spend the time, which is why I didn't really hate COVID. Mm. As much as I hated what was going on, yeah. it gave me time with my family that I'll never get back again. Mm -hmm. So I get this text message and I look and I'm like, number two? Like, how did that happen? Like, to me, this is crazy. Like, even for you to say, do you want to come on my podcast? Of course, but, but why? Like, as far as I'm concerned, like, who am I that somebody really cares about my story and what I have to say? So when I saw, you know, again, coming off of that week and then having this weekend that was just one negative thing after another, like, when Monday came, I was like, what, what am I doing? I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just like in everything else in life, it's like, you know, you're on this roller coaster. And then, you know, it just, I said, I, I need to stop being a crybaby. And I need to, you know, put my big girl this on <laughs> and figure it out. And it's been a crazy week. And, you know. So you had no idea that you were number two? Like, no. Like, no hints, nothing. No. <laughs> and yet Brian Jada will usually like, you know, again, I knew I had a great year. Right. But I don't know what is a great year. Like how many, I didn't even know how many deals I did. I didn't know what my GCI is. Like I joke around with one of our friends and we always say like, what is GCI anyway? You know, like, what is that? So again, for myself, I knew it was great. I knew I had a great year. But where, where did I place in these big, as far as I'm concerned, legends in the industry? Absolutely, you know? yeah. So, no, I have no idea. That's crazy. No. What is GCI for people listening that don't know? I just told you gross, I really don't know. It's gross commission income. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, and I don't really know. It's right. terrible. Um, and, you know, Stephanie, we, we joke about uh -huh. it all the time because, again, I'm not one <clears throat> to say, although I do feel a little bit of pressure now, like, I need my GCI to be here. I need to do this many deals. I can't put that pressure on myself because I know I'm going to do the best that I can no matter what. Mm -hmm. And if that means next year I'm number 20 and my GCI is half of what it was, my ego is going to have to get over it. And I know that that's, that's all I was capable of doing. I'm a mother of four. I'm a wife. I run a household. Like, I, there's only so much pressure that I can put on myself without sending me to, you know, 
the white jacket in the padded room. Like, I can't, you know, this. So, and I always joke around with people. I love, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I love the new agents who come in, mm-hmm. young ones, you know, and they're, they're always so respectful to me and I try to give them the same respect, but I always joke around and I say, you know, if this was bowling, you know, in bowling, people get a handicap. If this was bowling and I got a handicap for every kid that I had and then I'm actually married, I would probably be like my GCI would be, you know, 50 million. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, just trying to balance life and work and you yeah. get it yeah. because you're in the same industry. Right. It's hard. It is hard. And so how, how do you balance? Like this business is technically 24-7. It takes over your life. Is there a certain time where you put the phone down or you shut your phone off or it's just nonstop? No, and I don't, and that's really a problem. It is a problem. Because we have to set boundaries. I worked with an agent. She was lovely. And she said to me, from 9 at night, no, 7, from 7 at night to 9 in the morning, she shuts her phone down. What do you mean? You shut your phone down. Like, so she said, Michelle, there's nothing going on from seven o'clock at night to nine o'clock in the morning that I have to take care of at that time. And I thought to myself, like, I envied that. Mm. Like, but I know what it's like to like want an answer. And you know, you get that pit in your stomach, like waiting for somebody to respond to you. So it's my fault that no, I don't shut my phone down. I don't, I will turn my ringer off Mm -hmm. because I probably would have been divorced and my kids probably would have moved out because the the noise, the dinging that goes on all day. So if we're having dinner or we're watching, which doesn't really happen, watch TV, or if I go to sleep, I turn my ringer off and it doesn't make any noise and it doesn't light up and it doesn't do anything. So I always tell my clients, Text me whenever. You're not going to disturb me. If my if something, God forbid, my kids weren't home and they needed, they would call my husband because his phone is on. But no, I think it we set the boundary. So if you text me at six o'clock in the morning and I respond to you, I gave you permission to text me at six o'clock in the morning. If you text me at midnight and I respond to you, I gave you permission now. So then you don't know, like, how do you then, because then if you don't respond, mm-hmm. now they're worried and they think there's an issue. Right. So to answer that question, no. It is 24-7. Unless I'm doing this, I'm with somebody or whatever, mm. I will always really try to respond, which is, it is... It is draining, and I yeah. do envy the agent. She does business. Yeah. You know, she just, it's just not my personality to make somebody wait if they don't have to. Right. If I can answer the question, if I can ease their mind at that moment, I'll do it. Yeah, even for me, like, I'm on the other side of it, so I'm getting nonstop calls, texts for photos, and a lot of agents, they think that the world revolves around them. them. Yes. And they'll call seven like o'clock me. in the morning, seven thirty, and I'm just waking up. And I'm like, your photography, I can get back to you in an hour. Yeah. Like, I need to know. It's it's a lot. And right now it's busy season, so I get it. They don't. Some of them are ruthless. They'll call you ten o'clock at night. They'll text you. Or so ask you if you forgot about me. <laughs> and that's the thing. I'm between driving, taking the yes. photos. I'm like trying to answer, trying to schedule everybody out, and. 
But you know what? We at the end of the day, we love it. We love what we do. Love so it. we wouldn't be able to work so hard if it wasn't our passion. Right. So it's like that. It's a blessing, but it's also a curse. Yeah. Well, that's what I always say about real estate. Like the best thing about real estate is that you can work anywhere. Mm -hmm. The worst thing about real estate <laughs> is you can work anywhere. Yeah. You're on the beach. You're at the pool. You're in bed. It doesn't matter. And now technology, as great as it is, we really kind of screwed ourselves. We did. We're never disconnected. Never. Never. And, and how do we feel when our phone like bugs out and we're like, oh my God, like it's the end of the world. How are we, you know, like I, I need to, you know, respond or I, I need to get this availability right now. We've made ourselves like we did this. We did. We created this. Just like in the market that we're in now. We create the buyers created this. Right. We want to blame the sellers for being greedy, but it's the buyers who have made these offers and terms. Mm -hmm. If they if all the buyers just were this is what the house is worth, this is what we're offering, this is how it goes, then the sellers can't be crazy. Either they're going to accept it for what it is or they're not going to sell their house. Right. So we like to, you know, blame everybody else, but really when we when we look at it, we created the technology issue. <laughs> we created the buyers created this crazy frenzy that's going on because they've, you know, they're the ones who have put forth these terms. So why wouldn't the buyers decide? Well, okay, you want to give me $50,000 over the asking price? Perfect. Go ahead. Yeah. Go with that. It's crazy. So I want to go, I want to go back to what you said, soul searching. So like, what does that mean? Like what, what have you, so I, I, we can get super deep because we've experienced similar yeah. paths in terms of, um, you know, dealing with some, yes. a family member who suffers with addiction. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that that changes you to like the soul. And, and I experience that because we look at things so different, so different, so different. And, so, and obviously we, we almost were dealing with the same person, mm. but different, different from, no, no, the same. same. Yeah. I'm thinking of a mother. Oh. So we are the same. Yeah. We are the same. Right. Yeah. In a, in a mother sibling. Right. It's, it's, it's a sibling. Right. So we are the sibling who watches that person. Yes. And, and feels all that. Yes. And that changes us. Yes. And. So soul searching and right. You can understand that aspect of it big time. Mm. Now imagine having your kids also watching this mm. and this is on a different level because your brother and my son were the same age mm. and they connected because of that. Right. Because your brother felt comfortable to talk to my son and my son felt comfortable talking to somebody who actually gets it. Right. Where for my son, he was watching his grandparents. And for me, I'm watching my parents. So when I talk about soul searching and dealing with somebody like that, I really try to be compassionate to people and to put myself in their shoes. Because we're so quick to say, why are they doing that? Or why are you enabling? And why are you this? And why are you that? And I think 
you know, I, I was that person at one time, like you shouldn't be doing that or you, sh it should be happening this way, but that's not, it, it's, there is no book on how to live life. And we get these wrenches thrown into our lives. And if we can't be, you know, open-minded and understand that, you know, like you put yourself in, in her position or you put yourself in his position or you put yourself in their parents' position, like what would I think I would do if I was there? But then if you're really faced with it, it's different. It's different. It's different. And I have experienced the last 10 years, what we have gone through. And I think she's, she's okay with me talking about it. It's not something that's embarrassing. You know, some people argue they believe it's a disease. They don't believe it's a disease. Whatever it is, it is. Yes. We have it. Yeah. We deal with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've even had conversations where I've never done a drug in my life. In my life. Two of my best friends never either, which I always thought was kind of weird. <laughs> um, so for me to understand that, although I, I do have an addictive personality. It's in us. So when I was a kid, I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm not going to do this because I was afraid that I would like it so much that I would be that person in rehab or I would be that person in detox. And I wasn't, I call it smart enough or witty enough or whatever. I just never did. So, you know, I, I've been in positions with my sister where I would say to her, you know, I would say something and then I could see how she was looking at me and I would say, what's the matter? Like, I know, I don't get it. I don't get it because I'm not an addict, because I have a perfect life, because I have a perfect husband and I have perfect kids and I have, you know, everything is so perfect. I don't understand what it's like to be you. But I do understand because I took the time, probably more than most people, to learn about it and understand and, and realize, like, nobody wants this. Mm -mm. And if there's anything good that could come out of it, and it's very selfish to say, is that I hope that my kids, my nephews, my nieces see what we've been through mm. and say to themselves, I never want to be there and I don't want to put my parents through mm. that. But... I'm also smart enough to realize it doesn't discriminate. No, it doesn't. I don't care who you are. Look at look at your family. Yeah. I mean, from the outside, you know, it, it was perfect. Yeah. White picket fence, everything's great. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. You make one, they make one bad mistake, and that could be the end of it. Yeah. So I always say, like, you never know. Don't spit in the wind. Yeah. So as far as, you know, again, back to soul searching, like I really try to put myself in other people's positions. And even if I don't agree with it, again, I'm not perfect. I can fight to, you know, I'm a love and not a fighter. I am both. Me too. <laughs> I am 100% both. But, you know, fighting and holding grudges. I don't know if you saw my Facebook yesterday, you know, like had a lot go on in my 44th year, things that I never, ever would have thought would have happened to me personally 
and professionally it was you know fantastic but personally like I went through things that were so like mind-blowing and life-changing and I I work every day at forgiving because like my cousin Nicole tells me all the time she said Michelle it's not worth it it's not worth holding on to it doesn't mean forgiving somebody means that you build this relationship and everything is great and we're gonna forget what happened you can't no you can't but you can hopefully start to rebuild or at least rebuild yourself like rebuild like the heaviness in my heart and and the you know the thoughts like am i like i felt like i was in a twilight zone half the time um but you know i really i feel like once i got into my 40s like things just kind of changed like i really appreciate the things that i have especially when i see what other people go through. You know, I thank God every single day. And I know I talk about my kids all the time and they come in my household. It's crazy. It's hectic. I scream. I curse. <laughs> I yell. I'm like, I'm like a psycho. But at the end of the day, like they are everything to me. Hmm. And I thank God that I got my wish of being the stay-at-home mom, and I was able to survive the struggle. Mm. And I always talk about it because I know there are other people out there like me who have that guilt. And if I can be um, an example to anybody, it's those, even men, it's not just women. Mm -hmm. You know, there are men who choose to stay home and their wives go to work. It doesn't matter, but if, if you choose as a couple to have somebody stay home and take care of your children, there is still, like, enjoy it. It, it. it doesn't last forever. It goes quick. And I'm proof that you can still become successful at 40 years old or 40 whatever years old or 35 or 50 or whatever. There should, there's no limit. There's no age to when you could say, you know what? I did my job. That was my job. Hmm. I succeeded. That to me, raising my kids and raising four um, successful, respectful humans, hmm. to me, means more than any of these awards hmm. ever. Hmm. So. so if someone is a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad and they're listening right now, what's like the first piece of advice you would give them? Enjoy it like confidence wise like you know your kids are off to school and now you're you're doubting yourself can i join the workforce can i do this can i be that entrepreneur i've always wanted to be what would you tell them you can yeah i i never in my life thought that i would be here it does not come easy and you have to put the work but you also have to have a support system right so I say, uh, I'll say it forever. Enjoy the time that you have. Even if, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you're a stay-at-home mom, you do nothing. You know, go to school, get a career, do whatever. But enjoy what you have because you can never turn around. I can never say to my son, Brian, I wish you were two years old again. 
But I can say, I wish that I was a doctor. And guess what? I could go start college and, and I could do it. Right. I might be 90 <laughs> when I'm done, but you can do it. You, time is too precious. And I know it's like so cliche, like, you know, um, what, what do they always say? Like, you know, you blink and, mm. and it's, it's the truth. I feel like, I remember, what was the saying that somebody said to me? Far away. Like you always feel like things are, it's so far away. Like when you have your first baby and you, you're, you know, you feel like, you feel terrible, you're tired, your baby's screaming, your boobs are killing you, you feel <laughs> disgusting, and you see a bus pull up and the kids get on the school bus and you think to yourself, oh my God, like that feels like it's so far away. Mm. And then next thing you know, you're at central, you know, school signing your kid up for kindergarten. And you're like, how did that happen? And then you you put your kid on the kindergarten bus and you see the high school kids walking home from school and you think to yourself, oh my God, like that is so far away. And then here we are. My kid is getting in the car and driving. Far away is not what we think. It's right there. So enjoy the time that you have because once you hit far away, you can't go back. You, there is no, I keep trying. There's no rewind button. And I would in a second. Like my son is graduating in six weeks. I remember when we dropped him off to Maritime and we, they do like this 10 week boot camp. He hates when I call it boot camp. <laughs> I remember. Oh my God. And I remember I came home, my kids sobbing in the backseat girlfriend crying you know and I remember coming home and I sat in the backyard and everybody was gone and I cried like somebody died and I was like oh my god how how did I get here my husband and I just graduated high school last year how did I just drop my kid off to college and now you know COVID was almost like a, I feel like it was like a non-existent year like, even when I'm talking about things and I'll be like, oh, they sold their house last year. Oh, no. It was a year and a half ago because I feel like that time almost didn't exist. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, I shouldn't be turning 45. I should be turning 44 again. Um, so, and now I'm like, wow. Like, it's, he's done. He's done. When he got into this Marine Corps program, I was like, oh, he's got time. I'm like, then all of a sudden he became a Marine and he's, you know, they call him a, um, an officer candidate. So he's technically a Marine. Mm-hmm. He's just not commissioned because you have to get your degree and then you become commissioned. And I'm like, but I, I, my husband and I were just living in Virginia. He was this little dweeby Marine. And, <laughs> and now my son is so far away is not far away. So enjoy it. It's stressful. I can't tell you how stressful it was sometimes. I remember doing bills and being like, oh my God. So my husband's going to get paid in two weeks and I have $300 in my account. $300. I could go to 7-Eleven right now and spend $300 on Slurpees and, you know. Right. So I remember that stress. That I don't miss. And, you know, when, when we would say like, 
oh my God, there's $300. There wasn't like that account that we didn't want to touch. Like that's that what was we had. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we had, I always say one or three kids because Matthew and Delaney kind of like one came and like the other one came like right after. <laughs> so I don't really know where one began and where the other, you know, yeah. it, was, it was like, a you know, he was a baby when she was born. Um, but it, so that I don't miss. That is not fun. Mm. But the time spent with them is, listen, not all sunshine and roses. I mean, I could be a psycho and crazy and feel like I'm, because, you know, you're in a house with no other adults. And remember, you don't need help because you don't work. And it's it's a lot. But hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm. Like, I would never... Ever, if they said, Michelle, take this career that you have now and do it at 23 years old. Like, thinking if I started this at 23, I would be retired. Mm. But what what would I have lost? Right. All that time. All that time. It's not worth it. Nope. Nope. Definitely not. So I would tell these stay-at-home moms and dads, like, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. It's it's not the short, the time is so short that, you know, there's always going to be a job. There's always going to be a career. There's always going to be something. But there's not always going to be little people who are tugging at your legs saying, you know, I need a snack or, you know, wipe my butt or something. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's funny because when I, when I think about having kids, like I'm getting married in August and mm-hmm. we want kids, I, I can't picture myself ever staying home. Why? I don't know. From when I was a young girl it was drilled in my head you need to be independent you need to make your own money you need to do this you know my mom she drilled it in my head and and that is why like I literally don't rely on anybody and I I, and I do what I have to do and so the fact that I would have to like pull away from that and like sit home with my child like that scares me and and it's like I don't know it's like that weird thing because I don't want to look back and be like Oh, well, I had this great career, but I don't remember changing my kid's diaper or right. I had to hire this one or my in-laws had to come stay. Like, it's it's scary. That's where there's going to be have to be a balance. You have a career. I didn't have one that I left, although I know many people mm-hmm. who have, you know, decided that, you know what, I have this career, so I know maybe you're not going to have four kids. Maybe you have one. Maybe you have two. The truth is that let's say you have two kids. In seven years, let's say you have the two years apart. In seven years, they're off to school. Now you're back to being Andrea. You're back to being, you know, home Monday through Friday. Kids are at school from 8.30 to 3.30 or whatever it is. So it's, it's different when you have something where hopefully you're at a place where you can kind of control your schedule. You know, when you first get into this business, you can't. But you get to a place where you, like I have become very good at managing my clients, managing the time, you know, and and just making it work. When you have little tiny ones, might be a little different, Mm -hmm. you know? And and in a non-COVID environment, you know, listen, there were times that my sister-in-law asked me to watch my niece or, you know, I had Ellie mm. and I had to do a showing. 
And guess what? There I was with the little, you know, I, my kids, my, my little people in my world never held me back from doing anything. When they were little, when Brian, Delaney, and Matt, and my nephew is the same age as Matthew, and then my other nephew is the same age, so there were times I would have five of them. And if I needed to go to the store, you can bet your butt that I was getting in the car in my Suburban with all of these pictures, all of these car seats, mm -hmm. and I would go do what I had to do. Right. Or take, I wouldn't take five of them on a showing, but, you know, have a little carrying case and take them on a showing. Obviously, the world is different now. We're lucky we can even go in. So, you know, I always, my kids conformed to me. I didn't conform to them. I didn't race home because it was nap time. I didn't race home because they had to have a certain meal and, and you know, certain protein and vegetables. And I'm a very fly by the seat of my pants type of girl. Like, this is how I have survived. Many people would not survive me. <laughs> Because they just, if your schedule, like I need, I am not your girl. Yeah. I actually had an agent say to me last week, she won a big award too for, I think she was number one in her office. Okay. And she texted me and she said, Michelle, she's like, amazing. You know, you, no, I text her congratulating her. And she said to me, she goes, you know, it was unbelievable what you did. We really need to have lunch one day so that you can help me organize my life. I said, um, I'm sorry, this is Michelle Keegan. Like, <laughs> my life is, it's controlled chaos. Right. But I was always, because there was always so much going on that if I actually put it now, I now I actually do use my calendar because it's a problem. Yeah. So if I put everything down, you know, this one has to be here, that one has to be there, have this, have that, it wouldn't make sense to me. Like, how am I doing all of this? So visually to see it, it would stress me out more than being like, okay, like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. I'm going to, oh, we have five minutes. You're going in the shower. You know, we're throwing dinner in or whatever it is. My poor Thomas pretty much lived in my suburban when he was a baby, meals, everything, he just, you know, number four, just kind of, <laughs> just kind of hung out. I like what you said. You conformed. They conformed, they conformed to, to, to you. Yes. I feel like we live in a world where it's okay to love your kids, but you cannot let them control your life. No. You can't say, oh, it's nap time. I got to run home nope. or I got to do this. Listen, you got to have the best of both worlds, right? And I, I love that you said that because yeah. it's true. It's like. You know, I've learned lessons in my life by watching people and wanting to kind of emulate that. I've probably learned bigger lessons in life on watching people and saying, that's exactly not what I want. And I remember being in the Marine Corps. Um, I mean, I wasn't technically <laughs> in the Marine Corps, but, you know, I was kind of. So when Brian was in the Marine Corps and, you know, we had a friend who had a baby. And I remember, we're, we're still in touch, and he's, you know, 20-something years old now. He's a wonderful, you know, man. But I remember the mother, like, if it was nap time, she would be like, all right, I'm going to go lay down with him. And it would be like an hour before she would get the, and she would rub his nose, and she would rub his face, and I was like, oh. Note to self, that is not what I'm going to do. You're going to get in your bed and you're going to take a nap. Because right. I remember sitting there like, 
Like, is she ever coming out? And then she'd come out and the baby had fallen asleep. And then 15 minutes later, he was up. And I'm like, oh no, like you need some downtime. Yeah. So I probably have learned more lessons by watching and not wanting. I mean, you know, it's, everything isn't always perfect, you know, and, and things happen. And I'm very blessed to have the children that I have. They don't give us problems. They, you know, always conformed, like wherever, we have a big family. My husband has a huge family. I have a huge family. You know, there's always something going on. And I never wanted it to be like, oh, sorry, I, we, we can't have dinner because, you know, Brian needs to take a nap or, you know, Delaney needs to have her cereal or whatever. Right. Um, so, yes, they definitely conform to me. We are crazy. <laughs> whatever. How long have we known each other? Because Brian I know and Nick, exactly. Do you? Yes, because Brian and Nick are 22 this year. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick Nicky is, just turned 22. Yeah, he's yeah. 22. So Brian will be 22. Um, and I know you guys are all five years apart. Mm-hmm. So when Brian and Nikki met, they were either three or four. Okay. So we're going back like 18 years. So you had to, you were, you were about eight. Eight or nine. Yep. Yep. Wow. I remember trick-or-treating and like, you know, all of, I mean, I have pictures of Brian and Nick, like these little tiny, little tiny Kids. Crazy. I remember that house that you lived in. Uh, what block was it? Dorchester. Dorchester. How I... about I almost bought your house? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. When was that? That was before I had Thomas. So that was like probably Thomas is 13, probably like 15 years ago. You, you were think, your parents were thinking about moving down yeah, south. Yeah, we were supposed to go to North Carolina. Yes. And you were going to buy the house from us? Yes. How did I not know? I that? remember, like, everything. I remember the price. I remember trying to figure it out, like, how we were going to work it out. Yeah. And we didn't move because me, pretty much. Like, I was in eighth grade. Going into high school, my parents were like, listen, we have this beautiful house built in North Carolina. And I gave them the hardest time about it. And I always look back and I wonder, like, what would have been different yeah. if... It's, you cannot, it's, tough. it's, it's, you can't have that. I always tell people like, you know, you can't change what happened. Yeah. And nothing that you did or didn't do is going to change really the course of, of how everything went for you guys. And even like in real estate, when, when we lose a deal or whatever, and I'll say to people like looking back at what we didn't do yeah. is preventing yes, us from. Yes moving forward hmm. so yeah. you know I, I, listen I remember actually when I was in eighth grade and my parents wanted to move and we were going to move to Bayport I'll never I remember the house so clearly I made my parents so miserable mm-hmm. that they didn't do it I kicked myself I'm like Bayport like <laughs> who would want to live in Bayport and yeah. now I'm like but so you know that's another thing like when in the real estate world you know, you, you deal with people who, I want to stay in a certain elementary school. I want to stay, you know, my kids. I don't want to. I moved. My kids stayed in the same elementary school. And guess what happened? A redistrict. So we didn't have control that I wasn't going to this elementary school. I moved. It worked out. I was exactly where I wanted to be. And mm-hmm. then, oh, sorry. Now, now you got to go there. So they went to Winona? 
Thomas Thomas did the last two years. Wow. Yes. I, didn't I was know like such a crybaby about yeah. it. I'm like, I've been in elementary school for 13 years. Yeah. My last two years are going to take me out of that school and make me, you know, start over. Why did they do that? Um, Because they shut down one of the, they shut down Gatelot. Oh. So then they shut down a couple of schools. So then everybody shifted. Okay. So the, the kids like in, in my neighborhood, in your neighborhood, your old neighborhood, they all got shifted to Winona. Yeah. So my house that yes. I live in, they're Winona now? Yes. Damn, I did not know that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I always pass the house. And uh, I, always, I do too. And it looks great. The house looks good. Yes, I know the people. Actually, they just had a baby. Really? Yeah. They have four kids too who live in there. Oh. I know. It's I love it. Yeah. It really is. And me and Nick always talk about it. We're like, we're going to buy that house back one day. Like, that's our goal. Do you know that <laughs> I had somebody call me? You know me. I can talk forever. Um... A couple of years ago, I sold a house for a woman. Her mother had passed away, and she sold the house. She was devastated about it. Mm-hmm. And a couple of months ago, I got a text from her, an email. Hi, Michelle, I know you're going to think this is crazy. You know, this is so-and-so. You sold my mom's house. We had such a great experience with you. Um, my daughter now is old enough where she's getting ready to buy a house. Do you think that they would sell us the house back? I didn't know. Like, I remember the person who bought it. Mm-hmm. I remembered things about him. Like, he was a veteran. You know, like, I remembered some things. And then I said, you know what? I want a public record. It doesn't give any phone numbers. No. But very unique name. Went on Facebook. Found him. Sometimes I got big ones, you know? <laughs> so I said, Whatever. What's the worst that can happen? My motto is, if you don't ask, you can't get. So I ask, what's the worst somebody could say? No. No. So I messaged him. I said, hi, you know, this might sound a little crazy. And I went through the whole scenario. Turns out that the house, when he bought it, he bought it as an investment. And he said to me, it's so weird that I even saw this message. He goes, I never check Messenger. He goes, but somebody was selling something, I guess, on Facebook, and they had a conversation going, and he saw my message, and he said, I'm, I'm really open to it, and had the girl decided that she wasn't going to buy a townhouse, she was going to buy a house, he was going to sell the house back to her. I love that. So and that- now I'm going to get the listing. Are you? Well, yeah. Because I said to myself, listen, <laughs> you know, I, I know this didn't work out. And yeah. This wasn't a sales pitch. Like, I wasn't right. trying to get, no. I mean, I'm not a cold caller. I'm not a door knocker. <laughs> I mean, I know people hate that about me, but I just, it's just not in me. Yeah. And I said, but, you know, if in the future you ever think about selling this, like, you know, I'd love to help you. And he asked me what I thought. I told him the number, and I'm either going to go there today or tomorrow. It makes sense. The guy paid $230,000 six years ago, and he probably can get four fifty. No brainer. No brainer. Where else are you making $200,000 in six years, five years? Wow. So that's a perfect example of you don't ask, you don't get. I've put many deals together. I'm going to close on one soon. Where somebody, a, a parent died, both parents passed away, and the aunt is a real estate agent. And the wife reached out to me and she said, Michelle, you know, you've been so good to us and 
I would love to give you the listing, but we can't take it from the ant. I, I respect that. Mm-hmm. But if you could sell it, it would make us so happy. If I could sell it. I love when people say that. Don't worry about it. You can sell I know I can sell it, but can I sell it? Do I have a buyer for that specific house? So she told me where it was. She told me how much. And I sold a house to somebody one block over. I text her. Hey, Christina. Have any, like, you know, friends or family that you want to pretty much be your neighbor? She was like, no, not really. You know, I have a couple of people thinking about it. And then she goes, oh, long story short, her best girlfriend is a nurse and she's buying the house. So the thing is that we spoke all night. She's like, if you, she's like, you've been, you were so good to us because I sold her house, sold her father's house and got them into the house that they wanted all on contingencies, which doesn't really happen. So as far as they were concerned, I was, you know, like a hero to them. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was a hero. I did my job. But it worked. Everything worked out exactly the way they wanted it. And she said, if you can get her, if you can get her the right people for the financing and everything, she's like, "I, I, I don't even know. Well, guess what? We went there, accepted offer inspection and we're probably going to close in like two or three days so had i not asked the moral of the story is if you don't ask you'll never know Mm -hmm. what's the worst somebody could say you're out of your mind i know i'm out of my mind (laughs) this is not a secret yeah i love that it's it's a being uncomfortable like when you put yourself in uncomfortable positions and spots things happen and i feel like you when you like a few two months ago i had that buyer for your house but it had that weird road, remember? And they just, they couldn't pull the trigger. But like, even the way you were explaining things, you were like, well, listen, I do have multiple offers, but if they're, you know, um, flexible with moving date, like you you just think so outside of the box. And I feel like that's why you killed it last year because you're not cookie cutter. Like, no. Um, here's our offer. Yes, no. we're over uh, 20,000 list price. <laughs> and. Uh, we're going to do an inspection tomorrow. You think outside the box, and that's yes. why you get shit done for your clients. Like, I love that. That's the one thing I'll say about myself. I will never be the smartest person in the room. But when it comes to problem solving or outside the box thinking, that's what I do. A hundred percent. Definitely. If I could teach a class on outside the box thinking. <laughs> but don't ask me about, I probably shouldn't say this out loud. Don't ask me about paperwork. Don't <laughs> ask me about certain things. Like, I have it. It's just in my own chaotic right. way that yeah. I have it. Yeah. But it is what it is. Listen, I am who I am. You love me for who I am or you don't. I, I can't conform to anybody. This is me. This is my life. This is how I live it. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm doing something right. Oh, 100%. My kids are married 25 years this year. 25 years. Like... High school sweetheart. How's that even happen? I mean, listen, heaven only can sunshine roses. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, like, we, I think we both equally feel that we are equally as blessed to have each other. There's not one of us. I mean, he probably shows it a little more than I do. But there's not one of us who thinks, like, oh, she got the better deal or he got the better deal. Right. 
we've always been each other's number one cheerleader. Mm -hmm. He's never told me, you can't do that. And Mm -hmm. I've never said to him from 17 years old, although I do remember telling his sister, he's not going to the Marine Corps. I'm going to, he's going to stay home. He's not going to stay (laughs) And then there I was a couple months later driving down to North Carolina because I was going to be with him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, his, his whole, and that's the other thing about being the stay at home mom. Like, I gave him, I invested in him. Thankfully, it worked out. I mean, sometimes it doesn't work out for people like that. You know, I gave him the, the clear mind that he didn't have to worry about what was going on at home. He didn't have to worry about, you know, not, not finishing an arrest or not, um, you know, going on an interview or not doing something because he had to pick up a kid. Or he had to go, you know, do whatever because I had to go to work. He was able to build himself, mm-hmm. which, I mean, again, listen, I'll never say never. You know, anything can happen tomorrow. But, you know, 25 years of investing in him has helped us create the life that we have. Mm-hmm. Never said no. Oh, you want to be a boxer? You want to do the Golden Gloves? Okay. You know, you want to go to Scotland and, you know, try out when he was in the Marine Corps? Leave me, go to Scotland and and jump out of planes or do these. Okay. And I do the same thing with my kids. I don't ever want them to turn around and say, I didn't do something because of you. My son, Brian, will tell you that he does wish that he would have enlisted so that he could have gone to Paris Island Mm. and then, you know, did whatever. But because of me, he didn't. I'll accept that. (laughs) He's still doing what he wants to do. And he's going to be light years ahead of where we were when we were in. It's a different lifestyle. It is a different lifestyle. So it's funny because when you have – so you your husband is – an insanely driven person. Insane. Just like you. So in a household where you guys are raising four amazing kids, like your kids are soul to the earth. They're respectful. I love Brian. Brian's my favorite. He's so good. And he really is so good. And it's like, it wouldn't have worked out if like one of you were like, yeah, I'm just laid back and I'm just... I am kind of laid back. But like, you both have that drive. Right. Right? And it's like, you, you understand like, he understands when you're working crazy hours and maybe you're not home right now. Right. But because he can, because you did that, like you, right. he was working those crazy hours. So he understands once your mind is set and you're passionate and you're driven, you can understand each other. Yes. And you guys are, like you said, are your number one cheerleaders. Yes. Like if he like wasn't motivated person, he'd be like, why are you working so hard? <laughs> Just relax. The right. It's like, I mean, trust me. Sometimes he's like, I mean, really? I'm like, Brian, like, like, what do you want me to do? It's not always going to be like this, especially in this business. You right. know, you, you take it where you come from. Where, you make when, hay when, when it's here. You make hay when the sun shines. Right. It's true. And as far as like our home and raising our kids, like we are very real. Mm-hmm. I don't shelter. I don't. There are things that I do feel like I failed a little bit in the sense of I make my kids beds. I do all their laundry, I cook their meals, Mm. I make them lunch, I don't baby them at all. 
But things like that, I feel like, I know it's terrible to say, like, I feel like it's my job, but I don't, I, so, and then like when Matthew is like throwing just, you know, oh, I took my sweatshirt off. I'm going to put it on the kitchen counter. I'm like, but is this, this is not normal. You're 18. You should realize that even though I picked up after you, that the, the putting your sweatshirt on the counter is not normal. And I'm like, I failed. How are you going to college next year? The other day, I'm like, you're scaring me. Hmm. Like, I, I'm, I'm supposed to send you to college. And like, you, what are you, you just have stuff everywhere. But I pick my battles, and I pick my battles in every aspect of my life. Hmm. He's an amazing child. He's 102 average. He's athletic. He's loving and caring. Mm -hmm. He's a slob. Eh, I'll take the slob. I'll take the slob. Any day. I'll take the slob. <laughs> he always makes sure his mom's okay. Mm. Always. I love that. Me too. So for your daughter, how is it for her to be? Because I'm the only girl of two, and she's the only girl of three. Like, and she only like so it was my two nephews for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's funny because she is the best of both worlds because she won't take shit from anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can say that. You can. You can say anything you want. She can't. <laughs> I was really trying to tone myself down. She does not. She doesn't give a crap. Mm which is nice because nobody's going to walk all over her. And if you could read, I wish I would have like thought about it. The one text message that went back and forth between her and my husband. And it was about like, you know, boys and like, you know, and he's like, she's like, dad, none of these boys are going to even attempt things like that for me. I am one of four. I have three brothers and everybody's afraid of you anyway. <laughs> so she is, as rough, she's probably the toughest of them all. She's as rough as can be, but she's girly. Mm -hmm. And I used to say when she was little, she is a boy with a different part. <laughs> and her, I'll never forget when I found out that I was pregnant with her. And, you know, I was not one of those people who waited until the baby came out. Like, I, yeah. surprise, I, I don't care about that surprise. Like, I just wanted to know. Yeah. So I had Brian, I had Matthew, and then, oh, five months later, I'm pregnant. And we find out that she's a girl. And I remember being like, oh, my God, like, it's a girl. Like, I have no boys. Like, there's, like, a whole bunch of, like, the diaper is different. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I have that part. I should know how to take care of that. Right. So oh my God. she's fine. And she's just, you know, she's. She's not dramatic, and I sometimes I feel bad for her because my boys are so easy that when there is that little female drama episode, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Meanwhile, I see what other people, like when you have more than one girl in a oh house God. and what goes on, I'm like, I, we are lucky. Yeah, you are. We are lucky. I want, I want four kids, believe it or not. I say that now, I have none. People are like, yeah, I wanted 10, and then I had one, and I had two. I, I mean, I dream of, like, my family. I think of, like, having a big family. Four kids. Love it. And I, I would love to have all boys, but I would love to have at least one girl. So it's funny because... It works out well. Yeah. Because being around the boys, it just... You're a, diff you're a girl, but you're different. Like, she I'm not into the drama. Yeah. No. Yeah, not into that. So... And it's funny because I 
feel like I get along better with men than like yes. sometimes it's well, it depends. Girls are a little difficult yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um sometimes it's hard for me to like relate to people's, you know, like drama and I'm like, come on man. I know. I can't. Yeah, she's like that. Yeah. Like when she was a cheerleader and it was all like cheer girl she, I'm like Delaney, like we need to we need to pull back. We need to you're She's like, I don't, we, this doesn't happen at home. Like, I, I can't, I said, all right, let's, let's take a year off. Yeah. And we were in lacrosse and volleyball Good. and, you know, now Good. she's, you know, she's fine. But yeah, it's, you know, it's not easy for her. Mm. And then, you know, then you have the boyfriend thing come in. They're one year apart. So I had the conversation with Matthew and like one day he was like, I see him. He's like thinking, thinking, I'm like, what's up to his mom? Because, you know, thinking about it, would I want my friends to date my daughter? I mean, my daughter, my sister? He goes, obviously, they're my friends. I like them. They're good people. But so these are the kind of people I guess I would want my sister to date. Right. But am I going to be okay with it? He's like, you know, he was like really stressed out about it. I'm like, man. He goes, what if one day I open the door and Dan's standing there looking for my sister? I'm like. I don't know. He goes, and what would be really weird is that we look alike. I'm like, I know. And she did kind of hang out with a boy that my sons did not approve of. Mm. And it was torturous. Because every time it came up, it was an issue. And, of course, my husband is, you know, sides with the boys. And I'm like, I mean, we can't. Like, you know, you got to let her figure this out on her own. Thank God she did. Oh, my God. But, you know, now there's another, you know, interest. And the boys, how peaceful in my house. Because they think he's a good kid. Because we're a great family. Yeah. The whole thing. I mean, I'm not saying the other kid wasn't. He was just not friends with my boys. And, you know, you know how kids are. Yeah. Social media and everything. It's, It's just a disaster. But, yeah, so she's. You know, I'm happy to have one. Mm-hmm. You know, one is perfect for me. Yeah. Because I'm not. Yeah. I don't do well with that. I agree. Yeah. So I want to go into memory lane a little bit about when you had your team. So how was that transition? You woke up one day. You no longer were a team. You were an individual agent. How, how was that? Um. So I talked about 2020 being like a real, like tough year for me, but it really started at the end of 2019 when, you know, when you're in a partnership with somebody like that, it's like a marriage. Mm. And when you decide or you both decide or whatever it is, it's like a divorce. Mm. And what had happened and what we had gone through I really did not know if I was going to survive the industry because I kind of lost my identity. I was, you know, I was a team leader with my partner. We had the, I used to call them the kids because it was like a husband and wife and then you have your kids, just like a marriage. You have a husband and wife, you have the kids. So you, I wasn't thinking about myself all the time I was thinking about my kids, my team. And it was very hard for me to get to the place where I needed to be okay with 
the separation. But again, we were together for four years. Like, just like when I was a stay-at-home mom, like, who am I? Are people going to come to me anymore? Am I going to have business? Is, are people going to look at this as a failure? Mm. And, but honestly, it, it was the opposite. But you can, I mean, if you talk to my manager, he will say, I was concerned. Like, I, I didn't know if I, I almost wanted to exit the industry just not to deal with, with everything that was going on. And, I mean, thankfully, you know, I kind of picked myself up and with the help, but I mean, listen, again, I have a great support system mm-hmm. in my own home and the people that I'm surrounded by. And, you know, we're in an amazing office. Oh, yeah. I mean, our office is a family. And yes. I wouldn't have survived without Brian and Lena and, you know, Lena having Cass help me and Courtney and you and, you know, just and everybody else mm-hmm. who just were, you know, I get text messages. Bryn Elliott, you know, I have people who call me to commend me on the things that I've done. And and when it comes from people who really understand what's involved in this business. I don't want to say it's better than, you know, my husband or my mother or whoever saying like, oh, you did a great job, but you really understand what has gone into it. Dan O'Neill, you know, a phone call to say like, I needed to call you. Like, that's amazing. And I'm like, this kid has like, and I don't mean to be offensive, but anybody under me is, I call him a kid, but you know, he's, killing it in his team and he still <laughs> picked up the phone to say I needed to talk to you for a minute like what who am I I don't even know how I got here mm. it's true but I I really did not think that I was going to make it I thought I was I thought I was done in the business and just because I I was I felt broken and when you do have a family and you have a husband and you know you have people who I'm like the go-to, like, if you have a question about something, if you need, you know, whatever it is, people come to me all the time. So I felt like I couldn't, I wanted to like slither on the floor and just, just like hide, but I couldn't do it. Mm. Not because of, I didn't want to disappoint people who count on me. And, you know, like I said, thankfully, it, it ended up being, you know, it's great. And, and I am friends with my partner and, you know, we, we talk probably, we talk a lot mm-hmm. and, you know, did that happen overnight? Mm-hmm. No, but just like, and I'm not saying that I had to forgive him for anything, but just like if we go back to the beginning when we talked about forgiveness, if you don't forgive and you carry this, this hatred or this, this animosity, you know, it's, it just weighs you down. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just easier to just be like we're, you know, we, we respect. He was one of the first messages I got when the awards happened and, you know, he saw what was happening. He was the first one to say, like, I'm proud of you. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Hmm. You know, things happen. Yeah. You, you never, you know, you don't get into a marriage, think it's going to end. And you don't get into a partnership thinking it's mm-hmm. going to end. Even when Brian Jada said to us, have an exit strategy. And I was like, exit strategy? Like, what do you mean? Like, this is never going to end and we're going to be fine. And then it got to the end and it was like, oh my God, like we don't have an exit strategy, strategy but we didn't need to. Like right. we had a mutual respect. Right. 
and and you know we still do yeah and and brian is that that guy that you can go to with anything like he he is the best at what he does on the island the best and that is why i won't go anywhere nope. because i don't want to leave brian no nope. i don't care commissions who's you know 100 percent, 90 percent, this many percent he's worth that percentage that you think you're giving up you're not giving it up no you're not because what did i say to you the other day when we we talked about you know leaving if you're not doing business here you're not doing business anywhere so if you're whatever the a hundred percent or a seventy percent of zero is zero, zero. So if you're not doing business, it doesn't right. matter what Ready your are. commission split is. Right. And listen, I I have great relationships with owners of other companies. And it's not to say that I don't think they're great or these other companies are great. He just, for me, at this time, and, and I agree with you, he's his knowledge of the business and what he has gone through. Listen, I had a foot out the door. I was going, I was done. I needed a change. And, and when I really thought about it, I'm like, this is not the time to change. This is the time where I need to get myself together and I need to figure it out. And he really, him, Lena, in the pandemic, Stephanie Kalinoff, she's, you know, my we're not competition. Mm -hmm. And that's what I say about to everybody in the industry, we're all in this together. Yes, are we competition if the two of us are sitting and we're going to sell somebody's house and now I'm telling, selling myself and you're selling yourself? Yes, we are competition. Mm -hmm. But once we get out there, we are not, we are on the same team, especially when you get in a deal. Mm -hmm. I have a seller, you have a buyer, we have a common goal to sell a house. We should be able to work together to get to that common goal. That's the part of the industry that I don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. Facebook, you know, Instagram, everybody putting their, their stuff up, their awards. I'm number one, I'm number this, I'm number seven, I'm number... Really being number one, we don't really know. You're number one in your office. How much, what, what kind of an office? How much volume are you doing that you're number one? Did you do 10 deals and you're number one? That's wonderful. But... I realize that a lot of um, real estate is a lot of smoke and mirrors. Mm. It can be very deceiving because of the way it can be presented. And I had a conversation with Stephanie actually, and I said, you know what? Like, it used to bother me when I'd be like, oh, well, what? I wish I did this, or why can't I do that? And I realized they're only they're only targeting their own audience. Right. Because my people aren't seeing what you did. Mm -hmm. You're not stealing my people from me. Mm -hmm. Maybe a Zillow buyer or somebody who, you know, a cold call or whatever. But, you know, I don't um, look down on anybody who tries to build their business by doing videos. I'm not a video person. This is out of my comfort zone. I'm super self-conscious. I don't like to be center of attention. Like, I, you know, so I envy you that can get on a screen and walk through a listing like you are Vanna White. Or I'm like, eh, 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 eh. you know, like I feel like that awkward, you know, high school kid. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't 
look down on anybody who's trying to build their business. And you can't take offense to what somebody else is doing. Doing. Just because I'm not doing it, that's that's my own fault. That's my own problem. Yeah. I could do it. You can. I just can't. You can. When we had the masks, I was like, okay. And then when the filters came out, I was like, oh, I can filter and (laughs) do a video. I mean, it's not me. Anyway, we all have our, our weaknesses and our strengths. Oh, yeah. I know where mine are. And I know where they aren't. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that if you knocked on doors and cold cold, how much bit more business you would do? No, because that would be so <laughs> awkward. They would be like, "Who are you?" Like, no, no, no. But I will talk to anybody. You will anywhere. I'm just not going to knock on your door, and I'm right. not going to call you and say, "Please sell your house." I, I just I can't. Yeah, it's not. And natural. I know that you know the big guy. Who I have so much respect for, Brian. Yes, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about that. Him too. We, I was driving in the car with my little son, and I actually texted Brian and told him this. And I said, he said something about you know being number two, and I said, yeah. And he goes, who's number one, Brian Carp? And I'm like, we're not even in the same company. And he, I go, but he probably is number one on the island. He goes, yeah. So then I text him and I told him and I told Thomas that I text Brian. He's like, you text him? I'm like, yes. He's like, you have his number? I'm oh like, my God. So I go, I text Brian. I go, apparently you're like a celebrity and I probably shouldn't have your phone number. But I just, it was never, thankfully I never had to do that. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is I always had enough business where I didn't feel like I had to get more like it I managed what I had Mm -hmm. and to go get more I may have pushed myself over Mm -hmm. to I never want to um, slight anybody on the customer service right and if you do too much and I don't have an admin or something like that you know you start cutting corners and that's uh, I'd rather have less business and give more then have more business and give less because eventually like those people aren't going to want to work with me and then right. there goes your right. residual income. Right. Yeah, you either scale it to a point where you do have an admin and then you really take it to the next level or totally. you control what you have. Right. You give your best to those, you know, whatever amount of people it is. And that's true. I mean, in terms of Brian, I love the guy. I went on that show to be... His protege, I wanted to eat, breathe, sleep, everything that guy did. And uh, he's a different species. He's different. And when I moved into my house 13 years ago, he walked down the block. I just moved in. We're standing outside. And he he was going to knock. I was outside, so we didn't have to knock on my door. But uh-huh. he approached me. Mm-hmm. And I found I find with Brian that his success has actually softened him. Not the opposite. Where 100%. I, I really, because I remember dealing with him back then and being like, oh, like what? And now he's he's so I feel like much more approachable. He's and, so approachable. Yeah. And he people don't think that. Like going into that week, I didn't know who I was going to meet. Right. Like, because you think like you sell two hundred homes, you must be like no. this type of guy. He's so sweet. He's so genuine. He really is like. Salt of the earth type of guy. I mean, I'm not sad that you lost. Because then you <laughs> I would have left, yeah. Oh. But everything happens for a reason. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't my time. Manny is an incredible human. 
and uh, I'm super excited for what he does on Brian's team. And you know what? The, you never know what can happen. Um, never know. So, so yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. That's my. That has definitely been my motto for 2020. It is what it is. Yeah. You don't have control over it. You just have to deal with, you know, your 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 dealt a hand, and That's you it. have to kind of deal with it. It's funny. I. Like prepared all these questions, oh but God. we've just flowed so smoothly. <laughs> I was so nervous about all the questions, and when I sat down, I'm like, "Oh, she could have said those to me, so yes. I could have been like prepared." Nope, no preparation. I just wanna, um, oh, if you could go back to when you first started and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? One thing. I don't know. It was all a blur. It really is a blur. I can't believe it's been eight years. One thing is like, don't, don't sell yourself short. Like you are capable of a lot more than, than I give myself credit for a hundred percent. And sometimes I do sit back and I'm like, wow, like that was some day or that was some week or this has been some life. Like I am, like to use the word lucky there is some kind of luck I think you know I'm lucky that I didn't move to Bayport had I moved to Bayport I wouldn't have met Brian you know um there's just you know I say luck but really it's it's a lot of hard work that Mm. has gone into and still does Mm. every day you know I work on myself every day and there are people out there who do not think I'm great and do not think that I'm genuine and wonderful, but that's life, you know? I've always been like you. Nobody, yeah. right, and I can't worry about that. No. I, fo- I have to focus on the, the people who do because without them, I am not who I am. And that's, you know, that's 100%. I mean, that's in anything. You know, there are people out there who I love where I talk to somebody else and like, oh my God, and then vice versa. You know, people who I just don't, we just, there's just something. It doesn't have to even be anything. It could just be something that just doesn't fit. That doesn't mean that they're bad and it doesn't mean that I'm bad. Right. It just, you know, doesn't work. But yeah, I would probably tell myself, like, give yourself a little bit more credit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. It's like this. It's never, even when I, when I take a listing, I tell them, it's not like this. There's always going to be a problem. There is, as long as we remember that there is a solution to every problem, even if that solution is walking away, then that's the solution. But, you know, to hold on to it and, and, you know, think about what could I have done different? doesn't matter. You can't change it. Mm. This second is gone as soon as we get to the next. You can't, can't worry about what, what happened, you know, two, two minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Just keep you know, moving forward and hoping that, you know, the, the next adventure is going to be a good one. What is the next adventure? I don't know. <laughs> My next adventure is, you know, people joke around, you know, I'm 45 soon. People have kids at my age and they'll be like, oh, you know, gonna, and I'm like, no, like I'm probably, my son is going to kill me, but my next adventure, which I'm excited for, is like I'm gonna be a grandmother probably by the time I'm 50. Like, 
That is so exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And to be able to be at this place in our lives, you know, my husband's career, my career, where we can finally take a breath and enjoy things and, you know, do things that our 20-year-old selves couldn't do because we were, you know, raising kids and, and buying food and, you know, putting gas in our car, where now we can enjoy some of the luxuries. What I remember being that 20-year-old thinking, seeing a 40-something-year-old and being like, oh my God, like, I'll never get there. So to be here and be in this place, like, it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's a great place to be. So that, I think, as far as career-wise goes, I'm here. I'm not doing anything else. I'm not becoming a doctor like I talked about. Like, I'm not <laughs> doing any of that. The only other title that I want after this is grandma. And that's <laughs> full going circle. to be... Full circle. I love it. Full circle. And that's it. I mean, you know, I'm thankful that I'm here. And, you know, hopefully it will just keep moving in a positive direction. And if it doesn't, we'll figure it out. Day by day. I want to uh, leave off with something fun. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh my God, <laughs> a superpower. Yes. Well, I think, you know, the, the sappy part of me wishes that I could create that time capsule. Time machine? Yep. To know where I'm going so that when I'm in it, I can enjoy it because I know that it's going it's going to get easier. Things are going to change. But, I mean, as far as I'm concerned. So you want to travel time? Like, that would be your superpower? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, aside from, you know, being able to see the future of what the lottery tickets are going to be, but... You know, there's a lot of things that I wish as a superhero I could do. But, mm-hmm. yeah, to go back and just, you know, see people and talk to people maybe who are not here anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about, like, you know, addicts, like, talking to them and saying, like, this is, like, this is going to change the course of your life. Right. Like, you know, go just, back. Yeah. yeah, and just being that 23-year-old's young married mother and just know what really what the future holds Mm -hmm. so that you can kind of take a breath and um enjoy the moment that you're in because we don't do that often and i find that even new york living we really don't do that because the rat race is so you know so intense but it is what it is this is where we are Mm -hmm. this is where we chose to be yeah embrace it embrace it (laughs) And that's it. Yeah, yeah. No, no one has the opportunities like we do in New York. No. I mean, yeah, the, they say the grass is greener in Florida and Texas, but it's a different way of living. Yeah. I love New York for what it is, and, I know. and that's it. That's it. So I just want to say thank you. I thank know you. that so this wasn't comfortable, but you no. did amazing, and you're natural, and just keep killing it. And Keep uh, on keeping on. You inspire so many people, and you don't realize that. Like, I've known you for a really long time, and I've always looked up to you. Even when I got my license, you were one of the only people I knew in real estate. And I was just like, wow. I was, like, so blown away by what, by what you were doing. Thanks. 
And I remember reaching out, thinking yes. about getting my license, and you were like, this is the school I went to, do it, and you encouraged me. So I appreciate that. And, uh, and you're going to be great. Thank you. Really. Like, and when I saw you on that show, I'm like, I'm just going to be the winner. I'm just going to win. <laughs> and I was a little upset about it. Yeah. It's okay. But thank you.